Good morning and thank you for your presence here and your interest in what we do here, teaching and preaching from the text of Scripture. And be ready with Matthew chapter 13 this morning. Matthew chapter 13. We'll be reading there starting at verse 47 in just a moment or two. If you were with us last Sunday, I spoke from the New Testament about what Jesus said about heaven. It is very pleasant and confident building for Christians to read and study what is said about heaven, our final destination. But there is another place. Jesus spoke of that other place. It is real. It is eternal. Nothing about it is attractive. Just as we need to hear what Jesus said about heaven, we need to hear what he said about hell. Matthew 13, starting at verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore, and sat down, and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous, <clears throat> and throw them into the fiery furnace, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is all we had, wouldn't this be sufficient to create interest in continued faithfulness to God in order to arrive in heaven? We already know heaven is a good place, a perfect place of beauty with God. But here we discover there is another eternal destiny. And I'm saying the way this is stated just in this one passage, the clarity in this Matthew text ought to serve as additional motivation to become a Christian, to be a Christian, so that this weeping and gnashing of teeth is something you have only read about, but you never go through it. And I should remind us, this is what Jesus said. Matthew was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it, but Jesus said it. And this is not the only place where Jesus spoke of eternal punishment in hell. I want you to consider just in Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, just in Matthew, here's a partial list to impress us of what Jesus said. Notice the phrases beginning in Matthew 7, 19, I'm going to go through each phrase here. Matthew 7, 19, thrown into the fire. 
Matthew 8 and verse 12, into the darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 13, 40, burned in the fire. 18, 8, thrown into the fire. Matthew 18, 9, the fire of hell. Matthew 23, 33, being condemned to hell. Matthew 24, 51, weeping and gnashing of teeth again. Matthew 25, 41, the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And Matthew 25, 46, go away into eternal punishment. You convinced? This is something we need to pay attention to. And these are just a few of the many references. In fact, if you count the references in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, adding up everything that Jesus said, He spoke more about hell than He did heaven. Now, if that sounds harsh, I want you to stop and listen to my illustration, please. Parents, if your son or daughter were about to get into a car and you know that that car has faulty steering, faulty brakes, other mechanical issues, would you say anything knowing where they're headed? Of course you would. You would say everything you knew to say to keep them from making that journey headed for disaster. Jesus doesn't want us to be consigned to eternal punishment. That's a function of His love. He doesn't want us to be consigned to eternal punishment. And so He spoke over and over again of that reality. He warns us about it. And He even died on the cross to keep us from it. If we'll just follow Him to heaven... He spoke plainly of sin and its consequences because He loves us. He pleaded with people to repent and bear the fruit of repentance because He loved them. He spoke with grave firmness, you can see, about an eternal place of punishment and He did that because it is real and He loves us and He doesn't want us to go there. It's that simple. Hell is, is a real place. There is such a place. And it is a place with no hope for escape. I'm going to be reading now from Luke 16, beginning at verse 19 and to the end of the chapter. And I know that there's a lot in this passage I'm going to read that we do not have time to navigate this morning. But I want us to notice no escape after you die. I want to emphasize that. We have from Jesus an account in Luke 16 before final judgment that affirms upon one's death (coughs) eternal destiny is fixed without any hope of escape. Listen to the narrative. I'm in Luke 
16 at verse 19. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side, and he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither Will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead? Now, don't let translation differences and state of the dead questions distract you from a very simple truth that's stated here. Once you die, either the joy or the torment begins. And after death, there is no escape. No way from there to here or here to there. No way of, of escape. So no plea can be made. No message is exchanged. No changes in your condition. No hope for escape. It is a place of suffering. There is this simple fact that nothing Jesus ever said about hell reflects anything remotely pleasant. Nothing Jesus ever said about hell reflects anything remotely pleasant. Listen again to some of his language. Thrown into the fire, into the darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth, burned in the fire, thrown into eternal fire, the fire of hell, condemned to hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth again, the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now what word or phrase did you discover in all that that you found attractive? Not a single word or phrase or idea or image. What is Jesus conveying to us? with words like weeping and gnashing of teeth and condemned and punishment 
and as to the length of it, Matthew 25, 46, go away into eternal punishment. Now, what is the nature of this suffering? What is the essence of this suffering that leads me <coughs> to my next point? It is a place of separation. I want to spend a few more minutes with this point than I did the others. Just a few more minutes. Because in my reading of Scripture, this is the worst thing about hell. We're going to be talking about the next few minutes. In addition to everything else that is detractive about it, in addition to all the imagery of punishment, the pain, the torment, I want us to fix our minds on this word, separation. And please open to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we're going to begin reading at verse 5. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. This is now, in addition to everything else that Jesus describes in the Matthew passages, now we're going to focus on separation. This is written under the authority of Jesus Christ by one of his apostles, Paul. We need to read this starting at verse 5 and through verse 12, 2 Thessalonians 1. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance, on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of His calling, and may fulfill every resolve for good, and every work of faith by His power, so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in Him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look at the very top of that paragraph. And there's a phrase. I'll have more to say about this phrase when you come back at five. But the phrase is, the righteous judgment of God. The righteous judgment of God. I want you to consider that what your condition is right now before God and what your eternal destiny will be after death is dependent on God's verdict, the righteous judgment of God. I'll make that point tonight. But here in 2 Thessalonians 1, Paul is assuring the faithful Christians 
in Thessalonica that while they suffer on earth, there will be final vindication. God will relieve them of their suffering. And part of that relief is the final end of their persecutors. Now, focus on 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. This is one of the most important statements in all the Bible about eternal punishment. It defines and describes the worst part of eternal punishment, and that is being banished from the presence of God forever. Without any hope of getting back into His favor and blessing. Now this doesn't diminish the pain and despair and darkness of hell other places describe. For instance, in Matthew. <clears throat> it defines the worst part of it. See, on earth, if you're living apart from God, so long as you're alive, you can repent and obey Christ and have fellowship with God. With every breath, there is hope that living sinners will wake up and get up out of their sin and take advantage of what God offers in Christ. Maybe there are some in this audience who need to do that. But after you die, all opportunity is lost. And that means eternal destruction, which is described here as being away from the presence of God. Jesus wants us to know that hell is real. With no hope or escape, real suffering, and the worst part of it, banished from the presence of God forever. One more thing about this text. Notice who suffers this punishment, this reality of one's contact with God being forever destroyed, separated. Notice who suffers this. Look carefully at verse 8. Those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. I'll tell you. If you've not obeyed the gospel as the New Testament describes that obedience in repentance and baptism, you need to be concerned about what this says. Eternal punishment is reserved for those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That's why every time we come here, we tell people, obey the gospel. You need to obey the gospel if you haven't. One more passage, please. In Revelation chapter 21, I want you to listen to verse 8. Revelation 21 and verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire 
and sulfur, which is the second death. When you attempt to identify and specify the suffering to be endured in hell, as I've already said, at the core of that punishment, there is the awful reality of being banished from the presence of God forever. In addition to that, the suffering of hell will be intensified by the kind of people who will share it. The devil and his angels will be there. Unlikely you would ever invite them into your home. But along with that, the immoral and the wicked of mankind will be with you there. And don't leave out that the devil and his associates are not really going to be running the place. They're going to be punished along with all the others. They're going to be suffering with you. Revelation 20 and verse 10, the devil who had been deceived, uh, who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Down in verse 14, the death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Nothing good there, as I said earlier. The devil and his associates there with you and all the immoral and wicked and unbelievers of mankind. So, we've heard from Jesus about heaven. And today, what he said about hell. What I need to ask myself is, where am I headed? Based on my heart and life right now. And I pose that question for you as well. Where are you headed? Make that a very strong personal inquiry based on where your heart and life is right now. Many years ago, a gospel preacher who has now passed away used this poem shared it with me. In fact, that gospel preacher held a meeting right here about 30 years ago. W.R. Jones. And here are those words. Hell, the prison house of despair. Here are some things that won't be there. No flowers will bloom on the banks of hell. No beauties of nature we love so well. No comforts of home, music, or song. No friendship or joy will be in that throng. No children to brighten the long weary night. No peace, no love, nor one ray of light. No mercy nor pity, pardon nor grace. No water. What a terrible place. The pangs of the lost no human can tell. No moment of ease. There's no rest in hell. Hell the prison house of despair. Here are some things that will be there. Fire and brimstone are there, we know, for God in His Word has told us so. Memory, remorse, suffering and pain, weeping and wailing, but all in vain. Blasphemers, swearers, haters of God, sinners who refuse to be washed in the blood, Christ rejecters while on earth they trod, 
murderers, gamblers, drunkards, and liars will have their part in the lake of fire. The filthy, the vile, the cruel, and mean, what a terrible mob in hell will be seen. Yes, more than humans on earth can tell are the torments and woes of eternal hell. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how horrible this would all be. How absolutely deadening it would be to our hearts if it were not for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Easy to understand and respond to hearing the message of who Jesus is and what He did, believing He is the Son of God, being willing to turn from your sin, confessing your faith in Him, to be baptized, to arise, to walk in newness of life, and anticipate the glory and rich beauty of heaven forever. If you need to do that, will you come while we stand together to sing? Why will you linger 